everybody. Wow. Welcome to Slip Angle's extensive coverage of the One Lap of America. It's day six. And today we're going to be talking with Tom O'Gorman here after the morning session at Summit Point, which is, I think, a really cool place to drive and kind of a really nice spot uh, out in West Virginia. Uh, Tom, you drove the ZR1 today, and that track is very fast. What was that like today? Yeah, it's so cool. And honestly, uh, after the 80s and 90s and humid weather we've had in the south the last couple of days, it's about 50 degrees, cloudless sky, sunny and perfect here in West Virginia. And it's like the best morning ever. Um, it was it was a ton of fun. Um, we came here and tested in March. So it kind of from this point on in the event, we've been to the tracks with this car. We have a game plan. We know where we should be. Um, so this morning we went out first. And uh, we're a little off the times from March, but obviously on a green track at 830 in the morning, that's to be expected. And as far as we can tell right now from Steve's official, unofficial, official timing and scoring <laughs> notebook, uh, we are P1 for the morning segment right now. Well, I will say that Steve's been pretty reliable with those scores. I should just be texting him regularly to figure out what's happening. <laughs> you should. We, we literally have gotten to the point where when Steve bikes back over from timing and scoring after about the top 12 to 15 of run, it's just a, it's just a whole like gathering around and he just holds it like a, he holds it, uh, holds it up proud, like a billboard and everybody looks for their times. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, he's been really good. Um, and you've, you've talked on your Instagram stories at length about, um, what the team effort is like and your game plan. And I'm really excited that today you're showing like kind of what happens while it happens in terms of the routine because I think routine is really important for making sure that you don't forget anything um, as you get to the track because it it's like a really stressful morning. Yeah, totally. And and today I, I've been kind of keeping that in my back pocket. I knew I wanted to show, you know, we have that flow down um, where we're not even like we're not even communicating anymore. It's just a, a rhythm. But um I wanted to save that for a day where it was kind of normal and we haven't, we haven't had one of those in a couple of days, which is probably a perfect segue into yesterday, uh, down in Atlanta, which was, uh, interesting. So, uh, we talked to, uh, Moss and Scott Robertson and a few others yesterday. The transit from NOLA to AMP was difficult for most. Uh, did you guys have, um, any particular, uh, unique difficulties? Only some scares, actually. So we uh, did not take Andy Smedegaard's um, wise advice and go up through Birmingham and avoid the major storms. We went through the storms. Uh, so that was the Montgomery to Atlanta route. And uh, we got some major, you know, road debris. Uh, we had to pull over at one point because the visibility got really bad. All the restaurants were closed because the power was out, so we didn't get dinner. And then when we got back on the road, we started to get a warning that the left front tire was going flat. And uh, started to you know frantically search. Okay, where's a tar where's a Walmart? Where's a tire shop? Something like that. We got to you know, get a contingency plan together, get this thing plugged. And then the dash shows that the tire went back up a pound. And we realized that we sat long enough with the low pressures in the tires, and the, the cold rain was cold enough that the tires had all dropped to sub TPMS happy sensor <laughs> um, spots. So we started to get flat tire warnings for three of the four tires, and we basically just ignored it and hoped it was okay, and it was. Gotcha. Um, other than that, it was just a long, kind of brutal riding through the storms, really. Um, got to the hotel pretty late. It was about I'm not going to complain. We got there at like 1245. It so, was not a Scott Robertson night by any Scott means. Robertson on the show yesterday, and I guess this is true for Super K as well. 
Uh, they got to the hotel so late that when they left in the morning, the the engine hadn't fully cooled down yet. Oh my god! Which is, I, I think, kind of amazing. It is, and that's like a that's a one lap like truism or whatever. That's that's the real one lap, I think. <laughs> so, like I said, I will never complain about a transit. I will never complain about our arrival times uh, for this week because we've had it pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, what about AMP yesterday? I, I watched. Um, a couple of videos, maybe uh, by Robert uh, from this morning that he posted yesterday. Kudos to him for continuing to do video coverage because it's just like trying to release videos every day while running an event is impossible because I'm trying to release podcasts every day and trying to live my regular life, and it's difficult. And so like, Man, and- he, he's doing one lap and releasing videos. Yeah, I can't, I can't even get my GoPro in my car and get a video of the car, let alone post it. And he's, like, vlogging every day. So, yeah, massive props. I haven't actually got to watch much of them, but I can't wait to, like, go relive the whole week <laughs> yeah, next it's, week and rewatch them all. Uh, if you guys aren't watching Robert Thorne's videos, uh, you should. Uh, he he talked on the show a few days ago about why he's doing it, and, and practically the reason he started the channel was because uh, he was kind of doing it for himself. He's not necessarily trying to get YouTube famous. It's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of experiences on one lap. And uh, if if you don't find a way to keep track of them, um, you have no record of it. And so, you know, the year that he took the Big, Big Bad Wolf makes for a great story. And there was awesome things that happened all week. And he just doesn't have he doesn't have a, a reference to it. And so yeah. he's he's doing this week practically for himself just so that he can, you know, enjoy it later. Right. Yeah, that's super cool. That's I guess that's kind of how I treat my Instagram stories, but that's a little more simple and you know, you just film it and post it. But yeah, definitely go watch his videos and um I forget the question. What did you ask me about yes? Oh, about AMP. Yeah. Sorry. So uh I guess my my first question is did the stock ZR1 blow sound? We don't know. So <laughs> to get the sound thing out of the way, basically it wasn't clear whether or not we were on a, a muffled or unmuffled day, which is a difference of 97 to 103 decibels. Um, even it sounded like Brock wasn't clear on whether or not the track allowed one or the other. But I do know that a significant portion of the field blew sound. Well, I know from working at Atlanta Motorsports Park for track night that it is extremely strict. Um, and a lot of stock car, I mean, like stock Camaros, stock Corvettes, all kinds of stock muffled cars blow sound there. Um, so I suspect we did. I know that the record was 109.5. That's really, <laughs> really loud. Um, it's so loud. And I'm I'm speculating, but I'll say that that was probably a Mustang because I, I, I just want to go on record on the show that I, I do not think that modern Mustangs sound good. Like they're they're <laughs> just obnoxious and like it's not a good sound and it's piercingly loud and yes. uh, I don't like Shots it. Shots fired. Not one bit. No, we've had that conversation in the car a couple times because Steve feels the same way. I'm I'm hot and cold. Like far away, every once in a while, I'm like, man, this sounds cool. And then every once in a while, nearby, I'm like, shut up. But I think there's, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a white Camaro that's in the field that is just ear blisteringly loud. And I I would I would put money on that specific car, but I bet all the Mustangs blew. Yeah. So us, uh, sure. the video from AMP though just looks so wild. It's tight and it's I mean it, it's got maybe a little bit of an autocross feel to it. Tell me about what it's like to drive a 750 horsepower car there. Like what, I mean, what do you, what do you do differently? Is it just, are you manhandling it the whole time? 
Dude, it was so fun. It's the most fun I've had in this car throughout all the testing we've done, all of the week that we've been competing here. It was just a blast. And I was nervous about that, to be honest, because I've driven other cars there, but mostly like I, I drove Claptrap, the K24 Fit there, and I've driven like an ITS Integra there and some other, you know, kind of appropriately sized for the space <laughs> kind sure. of cars. But this track is uh, the best description is if Spa were an autocross because well, it's like massive elevation, beautiful scenery in the hills of like northern Atlanta. But then it's really I mean, like the top speeds, I think, are only maybe 120, 125 miles an hour in the Corvette. But there are um, some high speed corners for sure. I was yes, watching Robert video a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe the analogy I was thinking of was like, you know, your lap is basically like, you know, a professional rodeo person trying to ride a bull, right? Like <laughs> that's, that's what the ZR1 is on a track like that. You're just getting thrown around the whole time. You know, it honestly translated way better than I expected. And it was also damp conditions. Um, so we were expecting it to be wet and it, it didn't rain after maybe 6 a.m. or so. Um, so the track was damp, but dry patches were starting to form by the time we went on track. And it was dry enough that we were getting tire squeal. And uh, the grip was surprisingly good everywhere except for the final carousel, if you're familiar. The, the, the last long left-hand carousel that goes on, it seems like all the way to Alabama, is like uh, is covered in trees. And that was the last place that was kind of damp and sketchy. So it was kind of like fourth gear in the Corvette, like almost no throttle dancing sideways through that entire corner. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it was a ton of fun. The car translated really well to that track. And I do think even though it's tight, there's a couple of hairpins and a couple of big digs. Um, that The combination of the power of the car and my familiarity with the track is why I was able to just nip Andy's time in the morning. Um, I'm absolutely confident, in, especially having watched his videos, that if we'd have run in the dry in the afternoon, he would have slaughtered us. But <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's okay. I still wish he would have gotten the dry in the dry because it was so fun. Well, uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed seeing on your Instagram, and this was maybe a mistake that we made on our end, but I think it's it's it was a personal choice, um, was um, you guys get to the track every morning in time to do a track walk or ride or whatever before you go out on track. And I think about um, my own experience from when we ran and practically it was really difficult to be at the track that early because we were always arriving at the hotels so late. And so like yeah. there is there's a remarkable benefit, obviously, to having a reliable car. But there's also a tremendous benefit of running near the front. And that benefit is um, as soon as the afternoon session is over, you get a head start on your uh, transit. And so that means that you you practically just you're guaranteed more sleep. Yeah, I would. Yeah, this event is structured in a way that the faster you are, the event becomes exponentially more easy to do, partially because you're more competitive, partially because you get to leave the track early. You get to go to the hotel early. You're more incentivized to get to the track early and walk it and see the conditions before you go out. I mean, everything about being in the top 10 to 15 is better. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a success. So it's kind of, it's, insult to injury kind of thing. Yeah, it's like success begets success, right? Like when you are doing well, it's a lot easier to keep doing well. Yes, I think. And you're 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 catered to in a way because you are well, more well rested. You're you have more time to handle things like I mean, yesterday uh, to, to fast forward a bit, we had to stop at a an old friend of one laps shop in North, uh, South Carolina. 
and being Cinco de Mayo and having a long transit, we didn't have time to stop for Mexican, but we did uh, enjoy a Modelo in the parking lot and hang out for about 45 minutes. And you know we would not have done that had we left the track two hours later. Oh, absolutely not. Speaking of uh, Cinco de Mayo, uh, I want to say that we missed you out on uh, Taco Track Day, uh, but Uh, it was was so fun. fun. Um, Like just an excellent uh, regular basic track day for Grid Life. uh, some cool, like, uh, Taco Track Day branded teas and uh, a Baja Blast-like margarita cup, which is pretty funny and cool. And then, I like, want one of those chalices, yeah, those cactus it's, chalice. It's pretty cool. And then uh, tacos for everybody at lunch. There had to be, like, 200 people there that, that got served tacos. It was fun. That's amazing. I'm uh, jealous. We have to do another one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Just for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, okay, so the, the afternoon session is, is coming up. Uh, you, you probably ran pretty well this morning. I can't remember the corner numbers very well. I think, it, is it 13 that's the, the last corner on track? 10. Okay, 10. Um, I, I, I want to ask you something about Summit Point, Maine, and I have uh, a comparison track just in terms of length and feel. And I don't know if you'll agree, but to me, it just feels so similar to Autobahn North in that it's kind of a short track and it's flowy and it's not, it's not super technical. There's not really elevation, but it feels like to me, it was just so fun to drive. I would say maybe if Autobahn North and like Blackhawk Farms had a baby or something like that because it still has a little bit more of an old school feel more than a country club feel when you're here. Um, but I, I see where your head's at. Yeah. So the the you're, were you going to ask a question specifically about turn ten or just how the track? Feels? Uh, well, turn ten specifically. Like um, I think when you posted on your Instagram this morning, um, there was sand. I that may have been at turn ten. Um, but uh, that was down in the in the turn five like carousel section. But gotcha. there was actually they were mowing when we got here, so we were expecting the track to be covered in grass. And luckily, they did a little better job of cleaning up than Eagles Canyon, <laughs> so we were good. <laughs> right. Um, well, I, I guess I wanted to talk about turn ten because it doesn't really feel or look like there's much camber there. But one thing I remember uh, trying to coach my co-driver through James, who's who's driving there again today, um, was like just how fast that corner is relative to what you think you can do. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about how you approach that corner, because to me, it seems like it's very, very fast. It, I honestly have had the opposite experience. And I think it's probably isolated because of the vehicle. I have the pleasure of driving, but I, my exposure to some point before this was I racing. And I expected that corner, as you said, to be a very fast kind of turn one mid Ohio style corner where you just drag the brakes and just throw the car through there track all the way out to the dirt and, and, you know, haul the mail. But, um, the breaking point for the Corvette is actually the bridge way before pit in. And then it's like, I mean, we're in the middle of fifth gear there coming off the S's break at the bridge. I mean, really woe the car down get it down into fourth. And it feels slow relative to how fast we're coming in there. So, um, that could the other cars I've talked to there, my, my general note has been the corner is tighter than you think it is if you've driven it in iRacing, but also know that I'm in a car with a million horsepower, a lot of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you, you talk about entering that turn. I, did you just say in, in fourth gear? So, I mean, it's, it's still fast. It is still a fast corner. Yeah. I would bet the, I would bet the min speed there is maybe 92 to 95. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit less. Um, 
but that's that's still pretty quick. So it's you know I'm a curious. little bit. I just watched Scott Robertson pull in. I'm curious to go talk to him after. Oh yeah. And see how fast he was through there. So like I mean, uh, for reference, turn five at NCM or turn fifteen, sixteen at NCM are probably you know a hundred and five plus. But there's an awful lot of runoff room in those corners so that, you know, if you do track out a little wide, you should hopefully have enough room to collect it. But some of yes. points a little bit different. Yeah. And that's why I say maybe a little bit more like Blackhawk uh, in that it's old school. So the, the consequences here are certainly high. And, and turn 10 here is probably one of the better spots, to be honest. But if you look at uh, definitely down through the chute, which is turn four into the heavy breaking zone for the hairpin to turn five. I mean, that is just, there is no grace. You have to be on top of your stuff big time. Uh, and that's probably the fastest corner on the track. We're going through there. I'm on the rev limiter in fourth going into it, and I'm really not slowing down much. So that's Good also going to be <laughs> that's faster than faster than turn 10 for sure. Um, and yeah, that's a that's a big boy corner right there. But this whole track, I mean, the, the big surprise for me, again, with my reference point of iRacing is just how fast this car gets from place to place. And I expected the track to be a little bit flowier than it is. And it's a little bit point and shoot in this car. And that's, that was, that surprised me in March. And I'm glad that we came here in March. So I knew that coming into today. For gotcha. Sure. Well, you know, as you're talking, I'm still thinking about what you said five minutes ago about, you know, what, what summit point Maine is. And it's, it's interesting that some of my absolute favorite tracks are Autobahn North, Blackhawk and summit point. I don't know. I don't know what those tracks have in common, but I just, I just like them. They have a, they have a feel to them that they're from. I, I haven't driven Autobahn North much. I, I hopefully we'll get to a lot more now that I'm in their backyard. But they have a. I would say Mid Ohio kind of still has a bit of this feel where it's like you know it's from the '60s and it's cool because of it. I don't know how to say it better than that, but it's got like a vintage feel to it. That yeah. They, they put a racetrack there because they wanted to, and now it's classic, you know? Yeah, for sure. So uh, this afternoon, I mean, you, you and I talked about your lack of uh, data review uh, between sessions. What, <laughs> what are you going to do between um, – what, what differences or changes will you make on the track from this morning into this afternoon? Well, I was about a second off of my fast time from March this morning, but I did it three laps in a row, and I could not do that in March. So – I think I probably more by accident found the sweet spot of not abusing the car too much. I would like to get a little bit quicker, um, but we covered the field by a little over two seconds, I think this morning um, and actually put a couple of cars between us and Thorn and us in super K. So we theoretically extended our lead a bit and I don't know that I need to do much more than that. So I'm hoping to just go do the same thing um, and maybe respond to the, the increased grip a bit since it's not going to be 8.30 in the morning anymore. Yeah. But otherwise, um, I, I definitely don't feel like I need to go take any chances or do anything else sure. different. It's mostly just more of the same, do three more clean laps and get on the road to Gingerman. Sure. So, uh, long transit tonight to Gingerman. One of the things long. that I'm really excited about tomorrow is uh, I, I have a personal expectation that the majority of the grid life entries into uh, One Lap of America, or the grid lap, the... Perennial grid life, uh, excuse me, grid life drivers. <laughs> you got I, I a little southern drawl there. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't speak. Uh, it's my. I'm channeling my inner Luke McGrew. Uh, Vopper. <laughs> my Vopper. Um, I expect that the drivers who run in grid life regularly will put on an absolute clinic at Gingerman tomorrow. 
maybe i mean i uh, we we don't really know i guess i don't know how many people have been there before i know it's on the one lap schedule almost every year because it's so close to south bend right so it sounds like it's kind of a an, an annual finishing spot um but yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see i mean scott will probably make a bunch of people feel really bad about themselves with his Miata. I certainly hope that Alex and I are at the top, um, at the absolute front. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look around. There's not a lot of grid life people in this event, to be honest. We counted Uh, like 10 or so teams that are, so who am I missing? Um, so though TTRS, super K, you, Scott Robertson, Robert Thorne. Um, I don't know that Thorne's been to Gingerman much. Because uh, uh, he, he's from like Oklahoma and East Coast, but you're right, Mackay and Brandon. Uh, if well. this was maybe pre-Tom at Gridlife, but in '17, Thorn drove the Big Bad Wolf in an unlimited season in Time Attack, so he went to several events in that car. I, think, I remember him doing South. I don't remember him at, at Midwest. I think he did a 29 at at Gingerman. Okay, and at, okay. at the, I think it was on 615K pluses at the time. They were oh, big, okay. but that's like, fast. that's a fast lap. I'm pretty sure that's right. That um, is really fast on those tires. Um, I, it could have been on Hoosiers too. I don't know. I mean, he was running unlimited, but like, I do know that he's run a whole lot of 615K on that car at that time. Sure. Um, but tomorrow should be really fun. Like that track is, I, I, I really hope that Andy and Alex turn it up just a little. Like you're going to be <laughs> fast, but like. That's kind of home turf for everybody, so um, we'll, we'll see who, who sets the fast lap for the day. Yep, we already have an agreement. Uh, you know how the format one for one lap works is the first four or five cars go out, but it's kind of amongst ourselves who goes first first. Yep. And we've, we've been trading back and forth a bit depending on the, the results for whether or not uh, Super K or us go first. And Alex was like, I really want to go first tomorrow because it's Gingerman and I want to go first. <laughs> It is all you, bud, because we're going to be cool. the same speed for sure. That's so cool. Um, and uh, y- your your trust and his trust are infinitely important to me, and I think you guys both have lap time targets that you want, but I'll never tell. So, um, <laughs> No, we've talked about it. We both know. I mean, he knows what we've done. I know that that car has done in full time attack mode. It's like you said, it's a matter of whether or not they want to go to kill or not. Yeah, I mean, that that car on that track. And Here's a fun we, fact. Oh, sorry to interrupt No, go you. ahead. Uh, go ahead. The, the, we just watched some video from that car this morning. From a standing start at Summit Point, which the start-finish line is much further down the straightaway than you'd think, they're still in the middle of sixth gear when they get to the turn one. What? <laughs> yeah, of the seven-speed gear. It's literally like a Formula One car. They launch. Burr, 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 That's burr, so cool. Burr. It's so cool. And I've seen the speed distance traces of, of that car as it accelerates through the DCT, and it's, it's, it's really exciting to see what they've done with that chassis and that transmission. And, you know, I just, I'm so hopeful to them, for them, that it holds up for the rest of the week because I think that that will be, yeah. that may be one of the biggest accomplishments we've seen in one lap this year. I would say already so. And I've had, for every message I've had that's a good job, I've had two that say, that S2000 is really fast to keep up with you guys. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not gone unnoticed for sure. Yeah. So, and it's got to be so rewarding that you guys are all kind of part of the same team, right? And the podium, all you guys know each other pretty well and, um, you know, like shared friendships throughout. Like, it's, I think it's really cool this year. Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, 
obviously I'm now a part of that team with the grid life, especially like the GLTC car and everything. And I hadn't known many of them very well before, maybe in passing. Um, even though I've known like I've known Brandon for years and years and I've known Andy for years and years, but again, in, in passing and having gotten to know them much better over the last two months and now to share this week, like it, it doesn't feel like we're competing against each other. And maybe that's easy for me to say, cause you know, we're, we're leading right now, but I think it's, uh, it's really cool that, I mean, we've, we've gone over video together and it's like, it's just as exciting when Andy killed us yesterday in the oval or like beat us at NOLA in the afternoon. Cause it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like, it's a weird thing, a, right? Like you everybody know, like, you're competing against down, each you, other you know? kind of, but like you all want everybody to do their best. Right. It's like a, it's like a weird summer camp feel where it's like, you're just as excited that they did that as you are that you did your thing. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I mean, it's, it's just an experience. And I talked on the yeah. show yesterday a little bit about it with Adam that like, um, you know, if you're into cars and you do track stuff and you have the means, um, one lap is an experience that like, I think everyone should do at least once. And, uh, my, my own experience is that once you do it once, that's, you know, then then the hook's been set and you're just in it. Yeah, it reminds me a, a massive amount of the Thunder Hill 25 hour where when you, when you go and you experience it for the first time and you get through it, the people you're with, it's like the, the coolest experience no matter how you do. And then you're like, crap, I have to do this every year now on because <laughs> I can't not do this again. This is so fun. Yeah. Well, and you've talked about the 25 at Thunder Hill before. It's, it's never something that I've experienced or even been to, but it's, it's something that I would like to see. Oh, I'm, I'm laying the groundwork hard with the ISM guys this week about <laughs> we need to go out there and do it with something because it's, like I said, it's just the, the coolest race and the coolest track, and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. It just sucks that it's 36 hours away. It's, it's a little bit of a drive. But uh, well, we're we're about twenty five minutes in, and you guys probably have to prep for your uh, your afternoon session. On. So um, I wish you the best. Drive safe and uh, have a great transit, very long transit to Gingerman to, tonight. Thank you, sir. And finally, it is Steve's birthday, so everybody uh, wish Steve Loudon a happy birthday, my teammate. Happy birthday, uh, Steve. We got him the we got him the Starbucks cake pop for his birthday. Unfortunately, I couldn't figure out where to put the candle, but he enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I hope you guys are listening to the slip angle in the car because I, I imagine it makes things just a little bit more interesting to hear about what the other teams are doing. It does, because even though we have the three hours of downtime between segments, you miss what other people are going through, and it's it's fun to catch up on. I uh, I'm I'm hoping that I can get uh, Andy and Anne on the phone here in just a minute to talk with them about their challenges over the last couple of days. That might be a challenge only because his car wouldn't start, and they think they have a dying key. Oh no! So they're running around finding a key battery. But I wish you luck. That maybe you'll find them. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. See you. Bye. Welcome back to Slip Angle Podcast. Uh, this is segment two um, of day six. If, it's hard to believe it's day six already. Um, I'm here with Alex Moss of Super K, and he's just finished driving the morning session at Summit Point, Maine, which is, I, I think this is probably the first time you've been to this track. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I've never never been here before. I've seen it on iRacing um, a bunch. I uh, watched a bunch of video, but it's not the same as being out there in the car so uh i just got off the phone with tom and tom was saying that it was his experience that 
turn 10, the last corner before the start finish, uh, he felt was slower and tighter than what he was expecting based on driving and iRacing. Um, but my, my impression of that corner is that it's pretty quick. What do you think? Yeah, it's still pretty fast. Um, iRacing uses Miatas there a whole lot. And Tom's got 700, 650 horsepower Corvette right now. So I'd imagine that feels a little tighter. In the, well, he in said that he's still spot. in fourth gear as he makes his way through the corner. <laughs> so it's not slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty fast. Uh, th- this whole track is really fast, actually. Well, not the whole track. There's, there's a tight portion in the back. But it's definitely... It's like Blackhawk. It feels like Blackhawk. Um, we were, you know, uh, so help a lot. For, for people listening to the show, I apologize, but I'm talking to separate people here. So if the same content comes up, we'll, we'll try and make it interesting. Um, <laughs> Tom and I were talking about my favorite tracks, and they all have a very similar feel. Um, I said that Summit Point, Maine reminds me of the flow and feel of Autobahn North. And he said, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Um, but he was like, I think Summit Maine is basically if Blackhawk and Autobahn North had a baby. And what's what's interesting is when I think about like my absolute favorite tracks for vibes and like fun places to drive, it's Autobahn North and Blackhawk and Summit Maine. Those are like they're just cool spots, and I can't tell you why. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of Autobahn North at all. I, I it's almost like too small. Um but yeah, Blackhawk is one of my favorites. Um, and this, this it, honestly, it just feels like being at Blackhawk. Yeah, we feel right at home uh, in amongst the trees. Um, the track flows through the trees. One big, big, long straight, and then a little bit more tight and technical. A um, couple of fast corners, uh, a bunch of small, uh, slower corners. And then, yeah, that, that long straight where... I uh, I was talking to Ann Hollis and after the session, and she was saying that, you know, all the cars were flying by, meow, 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 and here comes Super Gay, down the straight. I did 146. You're not slow. <laughs> no. I, I guess Andy Hollis uh, said he hit 170. It's, it's um, like a deceptive straight, too. It's just like it doesn't seem as big as it is, but the cars are going so fast. Yeah, it's, and it's got, after the start-finish line, it's a little bit downhill as well, which I think helps uh, get the speed up. Um, um, so tell me about the aero performance on this track. I mean, there, there are some high-speed corners here, and, um, you know, it's got, I, I think the track has really good flow. How does it feel to drive? Yeah, it feels good. Um, so I've done three laps now, or, or four laps, including the, the recon lap. Um, my And this is my traditional struggle um with trying to go fast fast is having full commitment and and even though um you know based on my studying and and what have you there's no surprises about where the track goes it's you almost have to or i myself have to drive a session to connect what my car is doing to what i've seen on video to say okay yeah i can go full commitment here and i can i can break deep and trail break and and those kinds of things so well i think one of the it was my experience that one of the big challenges of reviewing video is on the tracks that have elevation, especially substantial elevation. It's just so hard to internalize that based on video because you, it just, it doesn't, it like, it doesn't show very well on video. Right. 
yeah i think yesterday's track um amp is the, the example of that um i watched i wasn't driving amp but I, I watched a bunch of videos on it and it looked there was some elevation change there but when we went out for the the rolling shots the media laps um I, after the morning i got to go out and track and you come around the corner and there's just this wall so it's, it's like cars got to go rock climbing to get up it uh, it's crazy the amount of elevation that's there yeah. this track has a little bit of elevation but you know video makes it look as flat as blackhawk but it's not it, there's a little bit of elevation here and there but but nothing nothing major so uh your car is um i think we talked about before turned down quite a bit relative to your time attack spec um how how do you approach the lap uh, any differently in order to get the best time? No different. I mean, you just got to drive the car, right? You got to you got to take what the car will give you. Um, so, you know the the power thing. It still makes it still makes all the torque that it ever made. You know, pulling it off the corner. So, the the only thing you're doing is you don't have that that pull down the straights. So it's it's purely straight line speed is the only difference. So. You know, you're, you're able to break a little bit later. Um, but the drive the corner is exactly the same as I would with it turned all the way up. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, just, just focusing on your braking points is just being slightly different. Um, are you uh, reviewing data between sessions in order to, to, to figure out if you can improve? No, um, I'm not. And, and the reason I'm, we're reviewing data, so we're lucky, you know, a reviewing video, I should say. Sorry, lucky enough that you know Tom's kind of joined the ASM crew, so he's been good enough that that when I drove this canyon and then also today, this is my second track I drove. Um, he's come over and and reviewed video with me and given me some pointers, which which is super helpful um, and very nice of him. Uh, but data, data's really reviewing data i think is really really good when you're looking for those temps you know those final temps and looking for for small mistakes after three laps at a track i'm not the kind of driver that's consistent enough to to say okay here's what you're doing wrong i see we can see that in video right you can see you got to carry more speed here in video we're not looking for you know one or two miles an hour we're not looking for the way that i'm releasing the brakes yet you know we're not looking for those kinds of things we're looking for, are you on the right line and, and that kind of stuff. Right. Gotcha. Well, uh, Tom, this morning when he was uh, doing his recon lap, he found a couple of spots that were kind of sandy on the apex. Um, you know, did did you adjust uh, your lines to, to manage the track conditions or did uh, did does that not really affect your strategy very much? Uh, there's a little bit of dirt on the inside of five, which was... Um, yeah, I, I didn't worry about it too much. It's on the inside, um, you know, the, the those left tires were all unloaded. So, you know, I, I don't know whether that's the right approach or not, but I didn't. Um, I, I did two laps in the morning on the scooter. And what I was looking for was things that I use on iRacing, like where I use the curbs and stuff like that. Is that safe to use on, on the real car? And um, there was a couple of spots, like the actually the exit to 10, where we would go way over the painted curbs. Um, but looking at, looking at that in real life, there's some pretty aggressive uh, grinding um, in those that I don't want to run the car. I would, I would run it over in time attack, but I'm one lap. I don't want to run it over and risk shaking something loose. So 
um, drawing drawing comparisons back to Blackhawk. Um, does does seven at Blackhawk feel a lot like ten at Summit Point? It does. It feels a lot like it, uh, especially with you know how you're you're tempted to to run all the way over those painted curbs. Um, seven at Blackhawk is slower. The ten here is faster for sure, but but it, they're both right-handers. Um, they both have pretty good runoff um, over the curbs, and they both lead onto a really big long straight. Yeah. So yeah, really really similar. And they actually both have a black oak is more pronounced, but they both have a bit of a kink to the right, uh, right as you want to start breaking for. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, two like very similar, very fun, rewarding tracks to drive, especially if you like your. Uh, if, especially if you like your your average speed and your top speed to be kind of high. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. This is a fast track. It's it looks small and compact, but it's a fast track. What about uh, what about like braking temperatures and things like that? Do do, you, do the brakes feel confident in the in the car? Yeah, yeah, they feel good. Um, again, getting that commitment for them. So I was actually talking to Andy about this after as we were kind of debriefing after the session. But like turn eleven at Gingerman, and and actually turn three, turn eleven at Gingerman, those those hard braking zones. When I'm like full kill time attack mode, um, it it feels like I'm getting pushed right through the windshield when I hit the brakes there. Here really? I'm still way more tentative, you know, not not going that braking at the last minute with the absolute maximum pressure. Um, again, that that's my confidence thing that sure. that i need to get going and knowing that i can do that some drive and that's a skill by itself you know being able to go out lap one and you know not having driven that that track even if it's like not that weekend you haven't driven that track yet but but especially like never driven it before um what's your breaking point to absolutely maximize the entry of that that turn? so uh for for those not familiar uh, Alex and I have, have shared a story on the show before, but I'll recap it for you. A few years ago in one lap, um, Super K was running at Blackhawk, and Andy is particularly fast at Blackhawk. And uh, there was a session that was finished, and it was a really solid lap, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Andy fast. And I was unaware that... Uh, Alex was driving instead of Andy. So I messaged, so, I, I so, messaged Alex and said, why was Andy so slow? And, and you took particular offense to that comment, which was not my intent. But the reason I'm bringing this story up at all is because uh, it is remarkable to me just how fast you've gotten as a driver. I mean, of course the, the car has improved and, and you weren't slow to begin with. But you've you've said something on um, a, a gears and gasoline video a couple of years ago, talking about you know the what's what's the best first track car, and I brought it up multiple times on the show, which is the best track car is the one that you can afford to take to the track twenty times a year. Um, it's not about modifying your car to make it faster because ultimately um, those things. Uh, take budget away from going to the track. And if you want to be a fast driver, you have to drive a lot. And you in particular have improved like so much in terms of maybe that, that 
difference in driving potential that we see between you and Andy, the difference right now is is very, very small, if any, uh, because you are solid in Super K. So uh, I want to thank, uh, excuse me, apologize on air for, <laughs> for being rude to you by accident, but also like to just say like, it's so impressive to see how fast you are as a driver now in the yeah. car. Well, thank you. And, and for context, there was three one minute 17s I did. Those are fast laps. Those are, so those are properly fast <laughs> laps, like really fast. But yes, so so in a car I know well, like this. So in this car, or even in in trainer, at a track I know, in good conditions, like consistent conditions, I am pretty close to Andy. Um, in this car, like at, at speed ring when we were doing the speed sprints, we were sharing the car, and I I managed to beat him there, which is a rarity. Uh, where the big difference comes in is, like the first first lap out he's going to dominate me uh, in changing conditions or wet conditions. He's going to be way faster on a track that neither of us have seen before. He's going to be way faster right away. Um, so basically if, if I know everything I've got to do and I figured it out, I can get pretty close. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of a weird thing where, uh, I mean, the, the only language you can use, right. It, someone like Tom and someone like Andy, they're just aliens because they have this, uh, uncanny ability to jump into any car and and to get right to the limit pretty pretty quick and right. i would say that you are most comfortable in your own car and especially s2000s in general yep um, yeah that that's definitely true and and a progression at you know the time attack format suits me as a driver better i think if you look at really all of the um all of the results from last year, um, I start the weekend way off the pace, and then each session just get faster and faster and faster. Um, and and that's kind of an approach that's that's been working for me um, in Time Attack, but it doesn't work for a format like this. This this one lap, you got to go out there and full commitment on lap one, literally lap one. And and like you've said in the past, um, you know. Uh, the uh, turn one lap one um, is you're seeing that that turn and that braking zone at an unfamiliar speed than you've ever seen it before, even if you're familiar with the track because it's a standing start. Right. Turn two or turn one lap two is potentially the first time you've ever seen that corner at speed. And, um, and so and it's it's a weird thing, right? Because of course you could just you could overslow and make sure that you're safe all the way through it and take it very easy. Um, but you pay a big time penalty for that. Yep. And, and my approach as a driver and, and also, you know, when I've done a little bit of coaching here and there is the braking zones are kind of the last thing to work on. Sure. Um, because they take the most confidence. And, and there's actually the least, I think, the least amount of time to be gained in those because you can always come off early and, and actually still maintain good speed through the corner. So, you know, the amount of time a mistake costs you under braking is, or, or by braking too much is generally less than getting on the gas too late or not maintaining corner speed. So, sure. so it's kind of the last thing I typically work on in the time attack format. Gotcha. But 
but yeah, it, it costs you on an event like this. Yep. So uh, if if Andy is out from underneath the car, hand the phone to him for just a minute. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure talking with you, as always. Uh, you're always welcome on the Slip Angle Show. Um, <laughs> but go get your head right for uh, the afternoon session and go out and be fast. See if you can beat Tom. That's the plan. I, I don't think I'm going to beat Tom. He's got at least... 25 miles an hour on me on the on the streets and and that's not not when you account for probably what he's doing to me through the rest of the track <laughs> uh but my goal here is to to stay ahead of the shaky dog guys and and unfortunately they're ahead of us by a few spots so um in the morning we think based on our unofficial timing so we we're gonna they're gonna be closing that gap up to us and hopefully if we can come out come away from summit point uh still in second place i'll, I'll be very happy Awesome. Um, going into Gingerman, which we will hopefully be strong at, although it may rain at Gingerman. And then the dry skid pad, uh, we should also be strong at. Uh, Andy is still working on that TT, um, so I'll probably try and get him to give you a call when he's available. All right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Abe. Welcome back to the Slip Angle podcast for day six of One Lap of America coverage. Um we're at Summit Point today, or they are at Summit Point today, uh, which is an awesome place to drive. I'm here with Andy Hollis uh, driving the One Lap McLaren. It's been a couple days since we talked to you, and I've heard that you had a bit of an adventure. Oh, yeah. Uh, things have, uh, uh, the drama llama showed up in big time yesterday morning um, after a long, horrendous drive through uh, torrential rain and storms the night before. We thought that we were over the hump. Uh, we got to Atlanta Motorsports Park, arrived, parked the car, and I noticed a very fine spray of liquid coming out from behind the headlight on the one side. Stuck my hand on it and realized it was coolant. Uh, the car has a pair of what they call low-temp radiators up front there, which cool the uh, transmission, the, the DCT, dual-clutch trans, uh, as well as the uh, air-to-water intercoolers for the uh, intake charge uh, so it can make maximum boost. Um, anyway, um, uh, we figured we were done because getting one of those parts one is really, really hard. And then getting it into the car is even harder. It's, you know, kind of an eight hour R and R job. Um, and that assumes you don't break any little plastic bits as you're pulling it apart. Um, so, uh, and of course no parts in the area for it to replace. Um, but then we got to thinking a bunch of guys in the paddock kind of came over and, 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 uh, uh, we, we basically MacGyvered the thing. So we, we were able to get access to the hoses behind it um and bypass the one side uh so that the other side would continue to uh to cool but so uh, i was able to take runs um because the thing is if you dnf scoring wise you're really in in a hole so we we you know we we got to grid um we ran with uh with our group but we ran towards the back so i wasn't sure what was going to happen i didn't want to be the guy that messes up the leaders and stuff so we ran to the back of the group um, and if I needed to pull off, I would took some tentative runs, finished, I don't know, like 21st or something, but I got times in the book, um, and did not have the DNF. Um, and then, I uh, cleaned it up a little more, uh, so that we could make our transits. Um, but, uh, it's holding, it's holding at this point. So the transits were fine. Uh, we had to keep refilling it just because it was burping out air because enough coolant had gone out um, that uh, we kept filling it. Uh, but anyway, it, it seems to be nominal now. All attempts look good for the transit getting us over here. So we thought 
we were reasonably okay. Of course, Summit Point has really long straightaways, and I was worried about what was that was going to do. You know, with the transmission overheat, would it go into limp mode? My old 12C, you would get trans errors, transmission errors with uh, uh, over temps, uh, and I was worried about that. So anyway, I go up the grid, and I, you know, I arrange again to be at the back of the group because I don't want to mess with the leaders. In the worst case, I just pull off early if I need to, um, and car wouldn't start. I'm on grid and they're calling me to the line. Car wouldn't start. Car wouldn't start. And, and it's got, you know, keyless deal and it's saying key not found. So I grab the key and I move it around to different parts of the vehicle. Then it says key found, key not found, key found, key oh, not no. found. Punch in the start button, frantically trying to get this going. Meanwhile, you know, my whole group has gone around and done their recon laps and I see them forming up at the line. Oh, Finally, no. it fires up. It fires up. I'm like, Woo-hoo. And I'm like, hey, Brocker, can I just skip the recon and go straight to the line? Like, of course, that's your option. I'm like, okay, great. So I go to the line on cold tires, cold brakes, cold everything, and it's cold out. And I try to launch it, and of course, the car is just like wheel spin city. And I go down to the first turn, I'm like, I have no idea where to brake here now. <laughs> anyway, long story short, uh, I made it through the session. Um, I could feel it pulling power down the uh, main straight, uh, but it never uh, it never coded out on the transmission. Uh, and we finished, it looks like, uh, P4. Um, That's so, fantastic. <laughs> with, you know, your head, your head's not in gear, your car's not running right and all that stuff, and we nailed a P4 out of it. So That uh, is a super challenge. Super excited about that. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is what one lap is about. This is this is it. You know, you just can't plan on the drama. You know, and and what's going to show up, and you just got you got to meet it head on. And and uh, so anyway, that's where I'm at right now. I'm breathing easy. I went and got a key for the keyless uh, thing here, at a local uh, auto parts store, and I got back to the track. And I saw you call. So, um, that's where we're at. It's been um, a great 24 hours. Well, I I talked to Tom over the last couple of days, and I. I kind of, uh, I don't want to say chastised him, but I, I told him that he wasn't getting the full one lap experience because he's <laughs> he's in the fastest, most reliable car. He gets to the hotel yeah. the earliest and uh, things just go right. And it's my experience that one lap is especially exciting when things don't go right. Yeah, yeah, you said that the other day, and and and, and I hate you for that. <laughs> well, I mean, but you'll have a story that you'll keep forever, right? Like these, oh, yeah. you can't yeah, make yeah, these yeah. things up, and these are the kinds no. of things that don't happen all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and we were talking about that actually on the transit over here. It's like because last night's transit was lovely, going through the uh, uh, Appalachian Mountains and all, uh, just lovely, lovely. Weather was good and all that kind of stuff, and so. But you know what? We won't remember that transit. What we'll remember is the one in '94. That was horrendous. We'll remember that one forever. Uh, we we likely won't remember the one from last night. Uh, right. But but you can only do those crazy ones every so often. So um, hey, I'm gonna hand I'm gonna hand the phone over to Ann a moment. She had something she wanted to add to that. Hold on. Oh, perfect. <clears throat> hey there. Hi, Ann. How are you? Pretty good. So uh, I sent you. Uh, you should give us a call. So uh, yeah, <clears throat> yesterday. You know, when the car breaks, the thing that is so amazing is how everybody comes over and just pulls for you. I mean, bolts are coming, zip ties are coming, people are volunteering to go get parts. And these are our competitors, right? But that is not what this whole thing is about. You know, somebody said, what's one word to describe one lab? And I have to say family. Because we all really take care of each other, so yeah, it was, was quite an experience. <laughs> I was talking a little bit with Tom this morning about um, the competition of one lap is very intense, 
Uh, but right. it seems like when when things aren't going right for a team, everyone wants to help because uh, I think the entire field wants to see everyone else do their best. And so that's exactly right. And I'll tell you, when you leave, if you miss the session and you come back, I bet there's not one team that doesn't come back and say, "Hey, we are so glad to see you're back. You know, hope you did okay." You know, we had two people that we helped out. One in Texas sent them to a shop we knew, and then Andy sent somebody, the Honda, to another shop. So, you know, the connections, that's the other thing you do. You kind of set up for your route as a veteran and say, hey, we're coming through. Just be on, on the lookout. Now, obviously, in the McLaren, we can't do that. But years past with the Honda, we had every city, every stop, somebody prepared to come help us if oh, we yeah. needed it. So, that's, I'm crazy. sure that's helpful, especially – uh, given a particular car like the CRX that you used to drive. Um, exactly. Now, I have a I have a strategy and a style question. Every year, Brock okay. prepares a route book, um, yep. and it was my experience that we didn't use it at all, and we focused exclusively on, like, point-to-point point as fast as possible. Uh, Brock does a pretty good job of, like, setting things up and, and pre-driving routes and things. Do you... Do you use the route book at all, or do you just like you plug, know, it, plug it into Waze and run it? It's really interesting because there's two thought processes. One, you strictly use Waze and Google Map and, and go for it. But the other thought process is to follow the route map because you know he's coming up at the back. And if you have a big issue, you know that within probably an hour or two, Brock's going to be there, whether you need to be rescued or whatever. So we pretty much do a combination. Um, I think we rely on Waze the most. Like yesterday, you know, the highway was shut down for 25 minutes, and Waze has us go on express route. Um, and then the other thing is there's the one-lap driver's page that is just for competitors, and that saved us big time last night. So Virginia, you know, if you go 20 over, you're jailed. Yeah, and right. they're not really happy at 10 over. So um, Solomon called me, Solomon Rosenthal, who's driving with Billy Johnson, uh, calls me. He's like, shut it down right now. He's like, there are six policemen in the median, and you come up over the crest, and there's a roadblock, a roadblock where it's down to one lane, and they're just pulling people over right and left. My so we don't know if that was a – we didn't know if it was a welcoming committee for one lap because Brock does let – all the states know that we're coming through. So we have on previous ones had them waiting. And a couple of years ago, going down through Colorado, they pulled over the whole median team, like, I don't know, six or eight cars and kept them for two hours, My kept goodness. them for two hours, making a point. <laughs> well, so, I think but, that's, you know, that's kind of a, an yeah. element of one lap that we don't talk about very much is like the, the road rally portion of it i mean i think people see the transit but like the community uh experience of the transit is itself kind of fun and interesting and if you've if you've never done road rallies before they can be a lot of fun exactly you know it's uh it's definitely part of it and we kind of trade traded our strategy i always slept in in the morning miss the morning session andy would come pick me up and then i do the late night transit so i'm fresh but when he had his little incident a couple of years ago, I was at the hotel. And I'm telling you, when you get that text, are you at the track? And then your phone blows up. It is not a good experience. Oh, I so bet not. That's... I'm getting up and coming. And that means I'm not rested for the late night transit. So we are alternating when we get tired every hour to hour and a half. Because, you know, Andy says, oh, it was a beautiful drive last night. Well, he was sound asleep while I'm driving through these twisty turning Oh, yeah. You know, and at night, it, you don't know the roads, so we're a little bit uh, more careful. But um, the other thing I was going to tell you was I had decided 
before yesterday that this was going to be my last one lap. I just was kind of ready to take a break. And then you see the car break and it's like, I go into mode, like I know who to go get parts from. I know who to ask this. I know who to ask that. I know to feed him food. He's going out on track right when the car is fixed. He hasn't eaten anything. And so I had to have a little, I cried, <laughs> you know, you're tired, you're exhausted, the car breaks and you, you struggle with keeping your husband safe. And so um, we're, we talked about that last night too. It's like, if it's not fun, don't come. But on the other hand, I'm the person that keeps him safe. I know. Well, it's, food, it's a weird thing, right? You're, you're part of the yeah. team. And without you, the right. team is deficient, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I always say anyone's replaceable, but I don't know. We've been married 42 years. I'm not sure. <laughs> and you said that this so, is your 11th one lap? Yeah, I think it's his 11th and my 10th. I missed one when our daughter. Uh, oh, right. You told me that. Game. But yeah. I mean, that's that's invaluable experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we have we are together all the time. We race together for all those years. We just have a really awesome marriage and relationship. And this is the one thing that I can still do with him. So I don't know. <laughs> I might have to re- rescind the, this is 10 and done. <laughs> I, I would say that, uh, get home, uh, spend a couple of days getting some rest and then you'll, then you'll think fondly of it again. I think every year it kind of Possibly. beats it out of people. And then as soon as you're done, you're like, well, maybe I could do that again. Right. Well, yesterday I was the reality check because one thought was to go ahead and get the part overnighted in, go to McLaren today, get it fixed. And then do an all-night uh, transit overnight to make it up to Gingerman. And that I did say no. I never say no to him pretty much. But I was like, it's, no. If we were winning one, two, three podium, maybe. But no, no. So that so I did say no. Gotcha. <laughs> but now the car's running. We didn't need to do that. So it's all good. Well, uh, thank you for the update. I love having you on the show. Um, oh, well, thanks for checking in with us. Uh, I figured we had a story for you, unfortunately. I would prefer that we had no story. Well, it's always <laughs> good to have a story. But uh, have a safe transit to Gingerman. Go right, fast thanks. there because it's a fun place to drive. Talk okay. to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, welcome back to probably the final segment of today's Day 6 coverage of One Lap of America. I'm here with Andy Smedegard, who is part of Team Super K, um, kind of the builder and shop owner of ASM, a longtime grid life runner, time attacker, GLTC driver, uh, wheelman extraordinaire, Andy Smedegard. <laughs> Sorry, just eating lunch. <laughs> uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, you guys have had a really exciting week, and we talked with Alex a few minutes ago. Um, but today, you're standing in the tower up over turn 10. What is that experience like versus being in the car? Man, it is um, it is like 10 times more nerve-wracking being outside the car than in the car. Um, I, I don't know what it is, and it, I don't think it's just me because I hear the same thing about everyone else. The person outside having to watch you have no control over what's about to happen. So just super nervous, hearts racing, you know, and, and for people that aren't familiar with one lap in the format, there's no redos. It is literally, you have one shot to do this. You get no practice. You get a little recon lap. So you, you get to drive around the, around half the track, just enough to see it. And then you pull up to the start line and you go, you you know, you got three full laps, every lap counts. And, um, yeah, you can't screw up. You can't break. You can't nothing. It just has to go perfect. 
Well, uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to jinx it. But since Eagles Canyon, it seems like the trans has been running OK. I know that yeah. um, I know that Alex talked a little bit about changes that you had made to the cooling system to help keep the trans temps down. Um, yep. But can you talk with with us a little bit about what provisions you've done to the trans over the last month or so to try sure. and bring those temperatures down? So um, first off, we, we're no expert with this stuff. So we're still learning, you know, uh, everything about the swap, the trans, the tuning part of it. Um, so we, we were having issues uh, a while back on our original test trans, the one that was in actually the car for up until the last month, it was the trans that was always in the car. And it would have issues after a while where the trans would get warm and then it would just get locked into gear. It would just stay in whatever gear it was and just be unresponsive. You could ask for it up or downshift, nothing. But you could continue to drive it. So, like, the, the GCU and stuff was still working. Um, Anti-stall stuff still working. And we, we kind of blamed it on just the trans being too hot. Um, and it wasn't even crazy hot. I mean, it was probably 270 degrees Fahrenheit, 260 maybe, which is, it, it's that's too warm. More warmer than we want it, but it's not, I wouldn't think, too crazy. So we've, we've spent a lot of time adding coolers. Um, we even went as far as adding a water cooler sprayer that's spraying water on the, the, the trans cooler. And it, it did help. But at Eagles Canyon, um, so actually, I should, I should complete the whole story. Fast forwarded too soon. Um, so, yeah, we've added all this cooling. And um, our, our, one of our last test events we did was at Gingerman. And it was starting to just get stuck into gear after even like a lap and a half. Transfluid wasn't even that hot at all, like maybe 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Still getting stuck in gear. So unsure of what it really was, I decided I'm just going to put a different trans in this car because this trans has been through hell. Um, so I wired up a whole new trans, put it in the car, and uh, this was at the NCM Grid Life. So that was two weeks before one lap. Uh, for... For context, is this uh, transmission number two or transmission yep. number three? It, it is transmission number two. The first one had a failure where we broke the clutch cover basket, and I just put a new clutch cover basket on, and we continued to run it. Got it. So this is truly only trans number two now in the car, and that went in right before NCM, two weeks before one lap. And uh, we actually told ourselves, if this car breaks, if it does not pass through NCM without a failure— We'll take it to one lap, but if it if it breaks, we're gonna we're gonna take something else. We're gonna I don't know buy a. Alex wants it has been wanting a new Type R, so we he said I'll buy a new Type R. Like, yeah, oh, I think he and I share <laughs> that that want. Yeah, so which I don't think is any better because I think those things overheat after like a lap and a half, anyways. <laughs> yeah, but it's stock and it's probably decently reliable. Uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so. Um, I put the new trans in um, before NCM, and I had to do a little bit of tuning because the, the different transmissions, like the, the clutch engagement points and stuff, are a little different. So I had to do a little tuning there. And uh, we took it to NCM, and it didn't break. Um, it, did, it didn't shift as well, and, and I think this just came down to I didn't um, have it tuned correctly for this trans. There's a little bit of differences between the two. Um, and it didn't shift as, like, the... the the smoothness of it, the, the upshifts and the downshift flipping and all that stuff wasn't as smooth as the other trans, um, which was, just required some tuning changes, which we actually did on day one after the autocross of one lap. We, we made those changes uh, because it was really bad um, to the point where you'd, like, you'd, you'd ask for a downshift 
and it would blip late, or, or the gear change would happen and then it would blip. So it was upset it, the car it a little really bit and, yeah, and things like you that. You get a like little bit of like shift lock. Was it was uh, it kind of like uh, what it was like at Barber uh, when we were there in January? Yes. Got it. Yep. That that was yeah. That was maybe you can drive around it, but it's definitely not helping you go faster. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it, you definitely you didn't want to even touch the downshift even mid like if you were turning at all before you you did not downshift because gotcha. yeah, yeah it would upset the rear now, now it's it's actually like on track it's really well you can you can downshift mid corner and it doesn't really upset much so uh all right going back we 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 passed uh car passed at ncm didn't break so we decided all right let's take this on one lap and hopefully we make it and um I put some more street miles on the whole week before one lap, drove it on the streets, you know, just changed all the fluids on the car, everything. I, I was, I was to a point where I was confident in like, I was confident that I did everything I possibly could to my knowledge and my abilities to make sure that this car could complete one compete and complete in one lap. Sure. Uh, but it's still, I mean, I'm always questioning everything. Like, I don't know how long the train, you know, what's next to break? What other weak link are we not, have we not found yet? Um, how long will this, this, clutch cover you know last before it breaks like the other one and and was that an issue with something else or is that a harmonics issue with the engine I, I don't know there's just so many unknowns so we went into one lap just my expectations was just i i, I truly felt something was going to break like day one day two um but it, here it is it, it's still going um the only trans issues we had was the the improper tuning the shift tuning uh which i fixed right after the autocross um it made my my autocross runs were horrible and i'm, I'm i can't believe i took second because it was some really shitty driving and and the trans doing its thing was even making it worse um but fixed that got through memphis went awesome drove all the way down to texas um everything's still perfect alex does the first session at um where were we eagles canyon and about the sec almost the finish of the second lap he gets locked into fourth gear so he has to do a whole nother lap in fourth gear um without just no shifting just that should remind you of gear. your of your days running with the rs yes. motors crew yeah when we got um we had a dog box then and the shifter linkage popped off so i had to do all of gingerman in third gear but with, i think yeah, you still lap, took uh i think you still took p2 that day <laughs> yeah yeah that was it was a good gear to get locked into that's for sure and that's the same case that happened to alex he got locked into fourth which is probably the perfect gear you know enough you can still get out of corners at a decent rate and then just hang it in higher revs for a while and just run out the straights um but with one lap you got you have to finish if you do not finish that session that's a dnf and there's no way you're coming out of the event in a top five or top 10 finish overall if you have any dnfs yeah that 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 points penalty is so right. big. I mean, it's almost insurmountable. Yeah, like three was it like three hundred sixty points or something? Yeah. yeah. So and and each place is five point difference. So yeah, you're not you're not competing in any sort of overall win with a DNF. So he completed um, session one um, in fourth gear. Got me really worried because I mean that's only the second real event and like man, it's gonna be a long week. <laughs> So, um, what I, what I, I had another thought of something to try when we, when we do these adaptations on the trans, which what the adaptation is doing is it's, it's kind of learning how much effort it needs to move shift forks and all this stuff around. I've always done that just at normal operating temp, uh, which for the trans is normally like 120 degrees Fahrenheit, not very hot. Okay. But when we come off track, the track, the trans temp 
is usually like in the 190s, sometimes 200-ish. Okay. So I'm thinking like this is definitely something heat-related because we never get stuck in gear. I mean, we drove at that point uh, over 1,000 miles on the street, never got locked in gear. It sure. only happens when the trans starts getting warm. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to try an adaptation when the trans fluid temp is near like hot one one eight i think i did it at like 160 okay um because he already has came off track and the trans cooled down and i'm not gonna go beat on the car just to get the trans temp back up but uh i did a re an adaptation and since then um and i don't know if this is the actual fix or because i did some other stuff too i was like really trying to like ice down our oil cooler the trans oil cooler and spray it down and keep that thing as cold as possible and we, we would actually not even on our recon laps told Alex, just leave it in one gear, take it easy, you know, try everything you can. So that, that have the trans be as cold as possible when you start the lap. Exactly. So we've been doing that too. So I don't know, maybe this adaptation thing has nothing. It hasn't really fixed the issue. It's just, we've kind of been avoiding letting the trans sure. even get close. Well, I, I guess I want to ask, I know that this is still like an R and D project for you guys. And, and you will be the first to admit that it's, you know, it's, it's not OEM like yet. But I wonder, um, you know, that trans in the BMWs, you know, as equipped from factory, I don't hear often people talking about the temperatures very much. So do you have um, any ideas for... I, I've heard, I, I have heard of people complaining about, they, they do get hot, um, especially on higher powered BMWs. Um, and adding cooling is definitely a, um, something that they usually do. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I mean... I haven't heard of like I honestly I haven't heard of any BMW guys getting stuck in gear or anything like that. Sure. Uh, so, so like, do you have I, any I, ideas I, for for what maybe makes the what, the the swap generate heat differently? Or, well, I don't or, think or, it's the swap generate. I, I think it's um, I think it's generating the same heat, but I think it's more of like a GCU that the the trans computer. I don't think there's compensation tables or something set up where. Uh, you know, if the trans temp is getting hotter, okay, I'm going to need more effort to move these shift forks around. Gotcha. Or it's it's a matter of, oh, the, the shifter didn't go into gear. I'm going to try it again. Or, uh, you know, or some sort of fail-safe or, or a timeout. Like, oh, it didn't get into gear after a second. All right, I'll try again. Another second. Okay, no, not going into gear. And then it, like, maybe throws a, 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 an error code or something. Sure. This GCU, it doesn't have any error codes. It doesn't have any limp mode or anything. So it might just try to go into gear. And I can't go into gear. I'm just going to not Stay do anything. Put. Gotcha. Yep. Well, I mean, uh, we're, we're absolutely rooting for you guys. I'm, I'm interested. I mean, uh, the lead that Tom has right now, uh, is very large and I think, yeah. um, it would be, it would be a remarkable achievement, uh, for, or I would say that Tom might have to have some bad luck in order to, uh, for sure. lose He's... this lead. So I wonder, <laughs> uh, in terms of strategy going forward, are you, especially at Gingerman, which is kind of a home track for you guys. Um, you know, is the expectation that you might uh, turn the power up a little bit just to see if you can go quick or are you going to, We're, you know, do point, just wanna, enough to finish second? <laughs> I, I want to finish. I'm not looking at winning overall. If, like you said, it would have to be some sort of stroke of bad, bad luck for them to, you know, give them a, it'd have to be a DNF. Honestly, it would have to be something that would completely take them out and almost give them a DNF, uh, which I, I, I don't want by any means. I, I want them to finish. Um, I think they're, uh, he, he's got to just do decent. Like he doesn't even have to be the fastest. And even if we beat him and we could gap him by 10 seconds at Gingerman, that's not helping us. And it wouldn't be enough because it would probably only <laughs> yeah. be five points. Right. So, right. So it's, it's not worth the risk at all to turn the power up. So you know, in fact, 
like, we just need I just want to finish man I don't if, if we can finish I don't care if you if it's a third place you know I'm, I'm still way beyond my expectations sure so uh you know you and the 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 guys at shaky dog are good friends and um you know I wonder though uh with the dry skid pad still coming up. I mean, you guys are going to be neck and neck on track for the rest of the week. I, as long as all the cars are running fine, um, you know, you're, you're similarly paced, but, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the dry skid pad is a wild card always because sometimes it can be wet. And, uh, you know, if it's dry, the tires are, you know, closing in on their end of life. So like, how do you hedge your bets to make sure that if you want to take P2, you can get it, at the end we, of the event. We feel confident um, that we'll do pretty well at the dry skid pad. We, we made a dry tire choice. We're on the AO52s. Um, our car has been, uh, seems to have been uh, a strong point that seems to be grip uh, in, in corner speeds. Our car does not make power. So we've, we've been able to beat a lot of the, the guys just in corners. And I think the, even the, um, the, the circle track we did the other day. Congratulations kind of on P1 at Lanier. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's kind of a, a glimpse of what the dry skid pad um, hopefully will be kind of like. As long as it's dry. It, yes, which I, we did look at the weather. It looks it looks like it should be a dry skid pad, um, which would be good. And, um, yeah, I, I feel that's kind of our, hopefully our saving grace, uh, if, if we get really close with points, that the dry skid pad will give us the gap we need to hopefully secure and keep second. Gotcha. Because I think the, the shaky dog guys are going to be pretty close. Um, I think they're, after the first session of the day, I think, man, it might be like 10, 10, 15 point gap. So I just pulled up, uh, the times. It looks like they had just refreshed you guys. Uh, hold on. Super K finished P 11 at, uh, summit point, uh, 401, 822. Tom did a three fifty five seven, and the GT 500, obviously these huge power cars are, are so fast. Um, 357, 358, 359, so on and so forth. So the arrow helping you a lot, but on a track like this with a straight so yeah. long, being down, you know, being down 300 horsepower has its uh, downfalls, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, from what I've, I've never driven this track, but several people have said the power can make up a lot here. Yep. So uh, I, I, I know that you have work to do. Let's talk for a second, if you can, about what you've been doing on the one lap TTRS this morning. The TTRS, um, not a lot. I mean, the car's been running pretty good. He uh, he had some all-wheel drive. Well, he has been having all-wheel drive issues with the hull deck stuff for quite a while now. And we've been fighting that. And and leading into one lap, we kind of had this last-ditch effort to hook up a a separate controller and have the the actual Cyvex computer, the engine ECU, control the all-wheel drive hull decks and um it's it was kind of just a, a patch band-aid and i didn't i was questioning it from the beginning if it would work or not um and it eventually burned up a pump after day i don't know after day one or two or something i can't remember the day exactly it's all confusing now but um yeah he was fighting some all-wheel drive issues in i think eagles canyon and i don't know where we were at before Mem- Mem- memphis i can't remember when it happened but anyways um he got that fixed. He got he found a new pump, put a new pump in, and it's been working working okay since. But um, the the thing, I, I I think they made the wrong tire choice this year, and I, I, it's the tire choice is always like the hardest part of the event because you never know what you're going to. Well, get. and and some days it's just a dice roll, right? Um, exactly, it is. It's a full dice roll, and and there was a couple days where like 
we thought for sure we made the worst tire choice ever doing the advance. But then like the morning, it was just barely damp. Sun's coming out. Things are drying up. And oh my God, it's perfect for advance. Right. <laughs> you know, so we, we, we have really gotten super lucky with our tire choice so far. And I, and I think that's honestly a big reason we're, we're near the top is we're able to really capitalize on having that, that grip. Gotcha. And so, so I think uh, that's, that's where the TTRS I think is suffering a little bit being on those PS four S's, which is a good tire fits a lot of rain, but it hasn't been much rain. So, uh, but Alex said that you were indisposed when I called him because you were underneath the car, just oh, maintenance things or, or yeah, kind of just trying to keep after stuff. And that, that's, thing with one lap you know you can't have a failure so you need to catch any little thing beforehand so we were just kind of under there looking checking every you know nut and bolt and topping off diff fluid and and that kind of stuff nothing nothing major so i i guess maybe my final question before i let you go is you know you're you're the kind of person to help everybody who needs help in the track whether you know with a mechanical issue if you have the ability i'm wondering though for this event specifically um for how many cars are you like the primary mechanic if something goes wrong? I mean, really only two, only, only one or two. Yeah. And, and we've, we've been pretty lucky cause we haven't had anything that has t- taken major um, amounts of work, but my, my whole strategy strategy has always been as soon as that car comes off track, it's prep time. Like get the wheels off, check everything over, get the fuel in there. Like right away, don't waste time doing anything. And then once all that's done, and you're hundred percent sure it's ready to go back on track, then you can sit down or go to a different car or something. And sure. so I, I try to prioritize. I mean, you need to keep, you know, super K's priority one TTRS two. no offense guys. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, then well, they've already gotten their wins. So like, you know, yeah, right. like going just, for another yeah. is just trying to brag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, I know that you have plenty of work to do. Thank you for taking a little bit of time to talk with us on the show. It's Absolutely. always, uh, a pleasure hearing about what you guys are doing with the DCT swap. It's very, very cool. And uh, yeah. I hope that you guys have a fantastic afternoon, evening, long transit to Gingerman, and then yeah. have an absolute blast to Gingerman tomorrow. Are, are we, we going to see you in South Bend? I don't think so. Come on, Abe. I, I, I know. Uh, I, I went up to uh, Gingerman for Taco Track Day yesterday, and yeah. uh, I have family in town Um on Sunday. So like maybe I can go, but I'm sure that I'll get some looks of disapproval. We'll see. Yeah. Just, just say it's for, for work. Yeah. I mean, it's one lap, right? Like I've, I've gone to the finish of one lap, uh, every year since before I started driving one lap. Yeah. So why, why ruin tradition? I don't know. That's (laughs) I wasn't planning on it, but now you got like, you got me thinking. I think you need to. I'll, I'll get the Coronas. Oh, I love Coronas, especially at uh, Tire Rack. They're the best. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, go back, prep the car, make sure everything's safe for Alex, and then tell him to drive a little bit harder. <laughs> Will do. Talk to you later, buddy. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of Grid Live to say hello. 